Broadcasting from the historic Habern Building in downtown Louisville, it's time for Single Payer Radio. We are a project of Kentuckians for Single Payer Healthcare, and we're an affiliate of the Kentucky Chapter of Physicians for our National Health Program. And uh, Kentuckians for Single Payer uh, Healthcare. We're a long-standing community partner with Forward Radio, WFMP LP 106.5. I'm Mark McKinley, a volunteer with the group. Just to stress, the views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the speakers and not the station. And let me see. Um, today's, uh, we're recording today's episode the 17th 17th of december okay and this show will air on forward radio 106.5 uh this coming monday uh you can hear us you can hear single payer radio on mondays at 2 p.m tuesdays at 7 a.m and wednesdays at 11 a.m if you can't pick up the broadcast signal you can go to forwardradio.org and we live stream, stream our programs and uh, we also archive our programs. So you can pick it up uh, anytime in the future that's convenient to you. So I'm going to turn this over to Mike Flynn. Mike? Yeah, this is Michael Flynn here. Let me begin with the usual disclaimer uh, that any um, opinions that I might express during this program represent my personal views and do not represent the views of either the Department of Surgery or the University of Louisville. Uh, this is Eugene Shively. The views that I express on this program are those of mine and not the Taylor Regional Hospital nor the Department of Surgery at the University of Louisville. So uh, our topic today is uh, uh, forever chemicals, uh, something that uh, I certainly didn't know very much about. I know more about it than I did before, and I'm assuming that a lot of our listeners don't either. Uh, we have a special guest, uh, Tina Halbig. Uh, Tina's resume is as long as my arm, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I think she's best described as an environmental activist, has spent 30 years doing um, civic work focused on environmental issues. Uh, and she began uh, with a BS in medical technology at the University of Louisville. So Tina, welcome. Thank you for your willingness to come here and talk with us about this. Now, as we have done with our, our previous guests, we're going to give you um, an opportunity to make whatever comments you want to make uh, for as long as you want. And then the conversation will begin. Uh, I, what I'd ask you to do, at least initially, <laughs> you know, is a part of your own introduction. If you could, you know, kind of explain to our listeners how you went from a a, a medical technology degree and at U of L to becoming a, an environmental activist and and dealing with these forever chemicals, and then. Uh, again, for our listeners, give them a sense of what these things are, how they get in the water and the soil, and why they're bad for us. So uh, the floor is yours. Thank you. Um, I 
really uh, ended up using my scientific background uh, when uh, an excavator came to our area and wanted to remove a 52-acre um, island in Floyd's Fork Creek. Uh, began to look at what all would be lost, uh, you know, the trees, uh, the, the soil, the banks, the floodplain, uh, you know, all of the different things, and had to get involved with local, state, and federal government. Uh, we did stop that excavation. But at that time, we formed Floyd's Fork Environmental Association in 1991. And um, we have continued to work on issues involving the environment, um, getting rid of wastewater treatment plants and that are malfunctioning, and um, just a whole bevy of um, clean water issues over the years. Tina, let me, let me just stop you for a minute. <laughs> you go back, they wanted to remove an island and can you explain that a little bit more? <laughs> yes, uh, 52 is, acres. And of course it had trees on it and vegetation yeah, and everything. Acres. And, um, you know, was was used by wildlife and birds and things like that. And um, just, um, you know, it was also the noise that was created by the bulldozers and the uh, dump trucks with the back metal uh, door flapping and, and uh, mm -hmm. echoing on Echo Trail. <laughs> so uh, it was really um, something that you wouldn't see in a residential area that you wouldn't want to see in R4 zoning in Jefferson County. Now, what, what, I guess two more questions. We're getting off the topic here, but it's okay. I think this is fascinating. What, what why were they going to do that? And what, what were they going to do with oh, it? Oh, it's usually money. Uh, they wanted to sell the topsoil. And, um, you know, they, yeah. they were making, I think, about $120 a load back then and had, uh, you know, dump trucks running and, you know, just, uh, it, in the newspaper, I called it a rape and pillage of the land. And uh, that was exactly what would happen, uh, the, all the trees coming down. And also it would cause flooding further downstream without that island in there that acted as a sponge to soak up the water. Wow, that's remarkable. Uh, okay, well, sorry for interrupting you, but that was just fascinating. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll get back on topic. And, and what we're yeah. talking about today are forever chemicals. And if you haven't heard of forever chemicals, they are synthetic man-made chemicals that uh, were made by DuPont, uh, made by 3M Company and also used by DuPont Chemical. Uh, back many, many uh, decades ago, um, and they are called forever chemicals because they don't break down in the environment. They can, some of them can remain in the environment for thousands of years. And if we get them in our bodies, which we do from uh, ingestion, inhaling, and through some dermal absorption through our skin, but if they get into our bodies, they're usually in there for two to nine years. Uh, we don't know what synergistic effect might occur with the mixing of the chemicals or the other things you know, in the body. However, it is a public health crisis and um, you know, many uh, cancers are associated now linked to uh, the PFAS chemicals. 
Uh, with PFAS, it stands for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. And the two most well-known are PFOS, which is perfluorooctane sulfonic acid. And the other one is PFOA, which is perfluorooctanic acid. And so due to the health maladies, the, these, uh, the PFOA was also called C8. And to explain what that is, that means that you have like a bracelet of uh, pearls that is eight long, eight pearls in it. And each one of those pearls is a carbon atom. And so the, the carbons, if you then lay a, a bracelet of black pearls, eight of those on either side, on both sides of that, and each of those are fluorine. These chemicals can have other um, components in them, hydrogen, oxygen, um, you know, uh, but what has happened now today is that we are looking at 10,000 derivatives and uh, they're making just small changes, you know, here and there. Um, but we're, we are uh, surrounded by these, they become rather ubiquitous. Uh, the people with the most harm now that is becoming more evident is the firefighters that have dealt with the aqueous film forming uh, firefighting foam. And what this foam does is it puts a film on top and it suffocates and removes the oxygen. And uh, this was developed back in the 1960s uh, when in a Navy vessel, Navy ship, uh, about 130 uh, Navy men lost their lives due to the fire and couldn't get out. And another about 139 were injured. And it was actually the Navy that went to 3M wanting to prevent deaths in the future. However, you know, the... Um, the firefighters today have not become aware of this until one woman, her name is Debbie, um, and she uh, kept on after her husband died, who was a firefighter, he died of testicular cancer. She finally convinced them. And it was uh, Kelly, uh, uh, Edward, Ark, Edward A. Kelly, who is the general president of the, Nash, of the uh, national uh, and the international, I'm sorry, International Firefighters Association, who um, now says that occupational cancer is the number one killer of firefighters because they know the uh, PFOS that was in, that is in the firefighting foam is causing uh, testicular cancer, uh, kidney cancer, uh, harm to the immune system and harm to the reproductive system. And so uh, it's, it's a very sad story because uh, there are 325,000 firefighters in the United States and in Canada, and they are being affected. They had begun to notice in 2015 that more and more firefighters were dying of cancer. And so uh, steps are being taken in other states uh, to remove the, um, the, this particular um, firefighting foam uh, and to go to ones that don't have those chemicals in them. They also found that their turnout gear that they wear to the fires 
uh, has sandwiched inside of it Teflon and that can deteriorate over time and that can also release uh, the PFOA. So, uh, you know, they're looking at all these things and trying to make changes. Uh, I've heard the story of one firefighter that was very sensitive where uh, he had married in 2020. Uh, they decided they wanted to have children right away, but they couldn't have children. So the woman was checked out. She was fine. And uh, then they turned to him. Well, he had zero sperm. And again, this is, uh, you know, linked to the reproductive problems that can be encountered. The, the good thing out of this is that they are looking and considering that they may but, you know, they didn't sign up to, they signed up to go into burning buildings and trying to save people. They didn't sign up to be uh, poisoned in their own, uh, the things that they were using and handling that would affect the rest of their life and being able to earn an income and support their family. Oh, this is really scary. Before I pass uh, over to Gene, let him ask, ask you the, the first round of questions. Uh, uh, just in the last few days, I was scanning through the Yahoo News, which is what I do periodically. When I'm, <laughs> I'm getting bored. And uh, there were three stories about uh, forever chemicals. And this is just last the last couple of days, two in Maine and one in New York. So, Gene, uh, do you want to start the, well, the interrogation? The... Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, what kind of problem do we have in Louisville, particularly with all the chemical plants that uh, we have here and how's that affecting uh, the Louisville environment? Yes, well, you know, I'm really concerned about the Rubbertown area, about the 11 major industrial plants that are there, uh, including um, uh, um, DuPont, uh, which is now uh, called Camores, and um, also adjacent to it is Dow DuPont. And these, uh, you know, sit on the Ohio River, a lot of them do. And um, in the past, I've, uh, you know, toured in the industrial park a few times, and uh, the, the basins that were there were unlined basins. And I don't know that they've been lined. Uh, they probably still remain unlined and that means that uh, chemicals can seep uh, out from there and go into the Ohio River. We have many people downstream drinking uh, the water, using it to water their uh, gardens with their vegetables and things they're growing as well as, um, you know, for their animals, the horses, cattle, uh, and also the, the cities, uh, the other cities withdraw water to treat it, but they're not treating it, you know, for the removal of PFAS chemicals. Is it possible to treat the water so they can take out the uh, uh, fluoridated yes. um, carbon atoms? Yes, we have asked the Louisville Water Company uh, to um, remove uh, PFAS chemicals. They are detecting them. Uh, they're testing for, I think it's about 16 of them. I've seen some of the results and the average uh, on one group maybe earlier this year was like a, a 5.6 parts per trillion. 
Now, when you talk about parts per trillion, you know, some people say, oh, well, that's just a little tiny drop, you know, but I say, gee, that's really awful because, you know, it can do so much damage just with an itsy bitsy amount. So what what exactly is the Louisville Water Company doing about this? Is there some kind of a process in which they filter it out or how, how do they get rid of it? Uh, they're only using charcoal filtration about um, three months out of the year. And I gather that that is when the farmers are actively farming and applying pesticides and fertilizers and yeah. fungicides and chemicals like that, you know. But other than that, there isn't the removal um, being used only three months, not 12 months out of the year. It can be used on an as-needed basis if they knew a, a plume was coming down the Ohio River, uh, you know, they, they could, uh, you know, uh, act on it then. But um, the, it is necessary to have the uh, charcoal filtration, granular activated charcoal, to remove PFAS. Now, one of the problems we have is that Louisville is the second highest city uh, with Gen X, which is a trade name, sort of like they made it up. Uh, you could, you know, Tide was probably a made up name at one point in time. And so uh, the Gen X uh, is also very dangerous. It was derived from PFOA and uh, they're finding that it is not much different uh, they're, they're in the uh, illnesses that are linked to it. And so Louisville has the second highest level. And therefore, we need to have reverse osmosis to remove that. Now, the Louisville Water Company says, oh, gee, you know, if we change this, then it can affect that and it can affect that. Well, you know, we can't keep doing the same old thing over and over again. If the people working there do not want to make the changes, I say get some people in who do want to make the changes, who do want to move ahead, who do want to protect public health. They said, oh, it's not our problem. We didn't create it. You know, well, if you're in a business and a problem surfaces and you want to stay in business, you need to address that problem. And so we have asked and uh, it seems like they don't want to budge, but I can tell you that in other cities, uh, what they have done is they have sued DuPont and, um, and 3M to make them pay for the emphasis move these chemicals. Um, also, the air uh, problems can be solved with um, uh, thermal oxidizers that are guaranteed to remove 99.99% of PFAS. Uh, you know, I was very upset that I spent three minutes of my time speaking to the Air Pollution Control District. And when then when one female board member asked a question about what I spoke about, uh, Rachel Hamilton, who's the acting interim director, said, oh, PFAS is usually in water which just ended that, you know, I couldn't say anything, you know, when you get to uh, zoom in or call in over the phone, uh, you know, and then they cut you off, there's nothing else you can do. So, uh, but now she understands 
that um, because uh, I tell you, I'm very excited that President Biden made a pledge early on to address PFAS. And I am uh, just so uh, thankful that this is happening. Um, the early on February of 2020, we wrote a letter to the US EPA administrator and never heard back from him. Well, there was a changeover in, you know, the one director going out and a new one coming in. So maybe the US EPA administrator, Michael Reagan, maybe our letter didn't really reach him, but uh, we did have uh, Senator McConnell put a cover letter on our letter. And we did finally three months later, <laughs> get a reply back from Michael Reagan, two pages. So not only then in April, uh, the PFAS Council was formed by Reagan. That was to get experts and scientists and people uh, to um, uh, form a, a roadmap uh, and to come up with what needed to be done. And so just this October, um, and I, I just got it like hours after it was released, I was just so thrilled that uh, the US EPA has a PFAS strategic roadmap. And if people want to see what is going to happen, this is gonna become a household term. When I started working on human trafficking a dozen years ago, hardly anyone knew about it. But you know, our mission is to raise awareness with the public and to let them know that their personal, um, their personal being, their personal family, their, their babies, uh, you know, that they need to help protect them. And so today babies are born with these chemicals in their blood. And uh, they're even finding when they take the umbilical cord and look at it, they're finding the particles in there. They're finding the plastics, the microplastics and all. So um, also uh, PFAS is in, it can be in plastics as well. So, uh, you know, we have a major problem here. The, the PFAS, these chemicals can even come down in rainwater. I mean, that's how super saturated we are of these. And even though some of them have been banned in the United States, they're still here. And uh, other countries, China, and I think the other one is Japan uh, that I know of, um, are still producing uh, the, the PFOA. Uh, and even though it was banned here and not used, it's still here. That, that's a major problem. And, um, you know, it, it's just um, huge contamination. But, you know, our drinking water, uh, while it may not have big numbers, um, the EPA is already working to review all of that uh, and to, uh, you know, they're gonna come out with new numbers and lower, much lower numbers uh, to help protect public health. Uh, you know, it's really sad when, you know, you, you have a child and then you see them go through elementary school, high school, college, and they're out there ready to make their mark on the world, ready to do their thing. And then suddenly they become ill. Now, where where does the Gen X that you, you were talking about earlier that's in the Louisville water system, where is that coming from? Is that, that coming down the Ohio River from plants the upstream? 
Yes, yes, uh, it's coming upstream uh, in uh, Virginia, um, in um, um, uh, the Cape Fear area, all of that, uh, you know, well, it can come down the groundwater and everything, but it's actually coming down the Ohio River. And for years and years and years, uh, sediment and stuff has been, uh, chemicals have been dropped in there. And so they're down under, they're, they're at the bottom of the Ohio River too, where they can continue to leach out for years and years and years. So they, you're talking hundreds of tons. I understand, but uh, is there a, a plant or a site up the river that it is identified that they know <clears throat> is either dumping or leaching this stuff into the water that's coming down the Ohio River that we're using <laughs> that comes out of our taps when yes. we turn it on. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's uh, you know uh, from uh, the uh, Dupont uh, that that's there uh, the. Um, the plant that's that's there yeah okay what now, one, one more question about with the with the water company uh, so if i wanted to call somebody up or mm -hmm. you know or in some way try to influence them to use uh, uh the carbon filtration system or or you would know, reverse us whatever it, they need to do to um clean this stuff out of the water or decrease the amount of it is there a is there a website is there a phone number is there a person because i'm we've got people listening and mm -hmm. i think this is an opportunity to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're, well um, you know I, I what think, out of me and i hope it has the same effect on anybody yeah. who's listening is how, who would you who would you call and, and well we what, we haven't had any good this. results from the spokesperson so, uh, and, and um, we, I would recommend that they send their letter to Spencer Bruce, who's the president, uh, the executive director of the Louisville Water Company. Um, and, you know, send a copy of your letter to the mayor, send a copy, you know, to the governor, send, send it, you know, everywhere that you can. But uh, what I really ask people to do is to, um, call their U.S. senators and ask them to support uh, H.R. 2467, which is the PFAS Protect Act. They can call the White House operator at 1-202-225-3121, and the operator will connect you to U.S. Uh, Senator McConnell's office, and then you call right back and you ask for U.S. Senator Rand Paul uh, and uh, let them know. Um, it does make a difference. Your input does make a difference. And so if people would make that effort to, to call that 1-202-225-3121, and the White House operator will answer, and you just you just tell them that you want to be connected to U.S. Senator's uh, office, and uh, it will make a really big difference. Um, you know, they are aware of the problem. There are over 60 bills in the U.S. Congress on PFAS. I just picked this one so that we could, because it has already passed the U.S. House, 
And so if it would pass the Senate, it would go to Biden to sign and it would force them to then call these chemicals hazardous and cause a, a lot of other things. Now, I will say that that Reagan right now, what they intend to do, one of the first things on that PFAS strategic um, uh, roadmap is to nationally educate the public about PFAS. And the other thing they will do is right away address our drinking water. So, you know, we have gone higher up than dealing with the Louisville Water Company. Uh, and I will also tell you that not only does PFAS need to be removed from our uh, drinking water, but it also needs to be removed from wastewater, specifically uh, to before it's discharged into our streams and rivers. Uh, most importantly, the Morris Foreman wastewater treatment plant that is somewhat antiquated. Um, we need to build a whole new uh, plant. But um, anyway, they discharge so much every day into the Ohio River and they have bypasses also. And um, that goes downstream for all those cities and all those people. You know, we need to be healthy to live a good life. And, um, you know, we just don't need to have our lives upended by coming down with, um, you know, uh, pancreatic cancer, um, kidney cancer. Um, and it was so distressing to me to even go to my dentist and find out that, you know, he had his kidney removed, uh, that his, his wife had breast cancer, that his uncle had um, kidney cancer, his nephew had kidney cancer, and, I, you know, my best friend, uh, her, her uh, husband uh, had kidney removed from kidney cancer last year, and so at Christmas time. And so, you know, this is a great expense to people, not only uh, medically, but also mentally for families to cope with the illnesses of family members and, and uh, themselves. And we also think of single mothers, uh, single mothers who, if they become ill and they are the breadwinner, what happens to their family? No, this is really scary. When you look back over some of the issues related to some of these large um, corporate entities uh, with their various products. I mean, we had uh, the tobacco industry uh, killing people with lung cancer and mouth and throat cancer. And then we've got the fossil fuel industry, which is in the process of destroying the world. And now we've and, and PFAS is also involved in fracking yeah. as well. It's also involved in climate change. And um, also, I, I think um, they, some were curious about how many people have PFAS in their drinking water. And um, this um, Science America, uh, uh, January the 22nd of 2021, said that scientists estimate that more than 200 million people, the majority of Americans, have tap water contaminated with a mixture of PFOA and PFOS at concentrations of one part per trillion or higher. And uh, the, that particular thing of one part per trillion can increase the risk of conditions such as testicular cancer, delayed mammary gland development, 
liver tumors, high cholesterol, and effects on children's immune response to vaccinations. You know, that is a, a big problem right now with COVID, uh, COVID-19. Um, there was one um, researcher, Dr. Filippi Grangine, uh, I saw his presentation before he actually published it, and I, he showed a chart that really impressed me in which he had looked at COVID patients. He looked for one specific uh, chemical, PFBA, and he, because that usually had some problems with the lungs. So he looked at that, and there were patients who had few to no symptoms they had very little PFBA in their blood. Then he had a middle category, and then he had the highest amount of the PFBA in the blood. Those patients died or were on ventilators. So more and more studies like this need to be done. But, you know, the correlation is there of our immune systems being less and because of our exposure and so the vaccines were not going to last as long because our antibodies aren't going to last. So, uh, Tina, if, were there, could they identify some characteristics uh, in those patients that had these high levels in their blood? And did it have something to do with where they lived? what they did no they would have all been the same same area and i don't know i don't know their background of the patients and in sure. his article okay. he doesn't give the background of, of the of where they worked and everything and yes you know all those things can be taken into consideration but uh he was specifically just looking and um that's what they did in the uh cases uh, uh in um West Virginia, the attorney, Rob Billet, he, in my opinion, is the, not just the American hero, he is the worldwide hero, because this is not just a local problem, it's not just a national problem, it is a global problem. And so, um, you know, um, I hope to make a resolution to take to the World uh, Federation of United Nations Associations uh, to address um, this uh, to address PFAS. Um, so, you know, we have to work on, on, on the local level uh, most of the time. Uh, Tina, I've read that uh, these chemicals are very important in making semiconductors, uh, particularly for the automobile and aerospace uh, industry and even the medical industry. Um, do we have a substitute that we can use or is there a way to make them safer so they don't get out into the water supply? Well, uh, that, that's what happens, you know, in, in the medical industry, uh, yes, you know, if it's a pacemaker or, uh, you know, uh, something that you have to have, but, but, and you can get, they can be allowed to make some of that to help with those things but they should be looking to create other things to take the place of these. And so that's what has happened with the firefighting foam. It's also, uh, you know, myself as a consumer going into Kohl's and looking at these darling little um, uh, night clothes for my grandson, my little grandson. And, 
you know, I said, oh, I just have to touch them. They just feel so soft. And then when I saw the label uh, that it was fire retardant, I said, no, I will not buy these. And I walked away. And so this is what happens is when the consumers say, I don't want carpet with PFOA, with uh, PFAS in it, then the manufacturers, and I think there's one right now that does make carpeting without the chemicals in it. But, um, and also I think some of the big uh, chains, a couple of them have agreed that they want to phase out the food wrappers. You know, years ago, if you had a hamburger, the grease would go through the paper, but the wrapping now, and that is really what Gen X is, it's packaging um, um, wrappers and stuff. And uh, also your pizza boxes, if your pizza uh, grease doesn't go through the, the, the cardboard, then uh, it was treated. So, um, you know, we can make a difference in all of these, you know, our, our carpets, our rugs, our furniture, our household items, our, even our makeup, it's in makeup, it's, uh, it's in cosmetics, uh, flosses, our dental floss, some of the companies uh, are, are using uh, PFAS in that, waxes, paint stain, the food packaging, your microwave popcorn bags, you know, if the grease doesn't come through, they've been treated. Your sandwich wrappers, your takeout containers, your fast food wrappers, and your nonstick cookware, your outdoor gear that you're wearing. If it's a raincoat that repels water, uh, if you pour some water on something and it just uh, doesn't penetrate, okay, it was treated with it. Uh, repellent, you know, coatings and the firefighting foams. Um, so yes, there are uh, uses for it in uh, electronics um, and it's in hydraulic fluid. Um, you know, I've already mentioned it's in the clothing, tap water we know, the food packaging is in air, it's in our carpets and our rugs, as I mentioned, it's in our food, it's in our, our personal care products, it, you know, our cookware, it's in the dust we're breathing in. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it is uh, rather ubiquitous, but uh, I do believe that the, the, the Rob Billet's case where he sued uh, DuPont and won $670 million uh, for the, the plaintiffs. Uh, that, and he, since then, he has gone on to win over a billion dollars. And he also has a case of, of a firefighter that may become a class action lawsuit. So uh, the more that uh, people are aware of what is happening to themselves, there are probably gonna be more and more lawsuits. Now, the chemical companies are gonna fight against these bills. That's why they're not moving in Congress is uh, the big chemical companies um, and the, 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 the chemical associations uh, fight these bills. But if you want, you, you know, for the future of the planetary health and of humanity, uh, you need to be calling to ask Congress, ask your congressional senators to pass these bills. Tina, uh, yeah, for our listeners, uh, you, you referenced Parkersburg. I was reading a little bit about this chemical plant in Henderson, Kentucky, and then there's something about Cape Fear, North Carolina. Could you... Uh, yes. Maybe pick one well, of those and uh, just tell the story of what went on and how 
what what were the factors that uh, I think in Parkersburg the yes. cows were dying and I said if I remember correctly I looked at the movie the children the children all had dark you know their, yes, their feet black, black. I mean yeah. good mm -hmm. lord yeah and that's what happened to the cattle too they had the black yeah. and brown teeth as well uh, from the fluorine. Well, um, what happened was uh, in Parkersburg, West Virginia, and you can see all of this yourself. If you get the movie, if you watch the movie, Dark Waters with an S. Yes, it was has, excellent and really scary. Yes, that has Mark Ruffalo uh, that plays uh, the role of Rob Billet. And um, uh, they... Actually, uh, Billet worked for the chemical companies. And so when he got a call one day on his personal line that people didn't have, uh, he wanted to know uh, when this gruff farmer calls up, you know, and wants him to help him, uh, he tells him that, um, where did you get my number? And he says, I got it from, it was from his grandmother. And so because of his grandmother, uh, Rob Billet went to Parkersburg, West Virginia. And in the movie, you can see that he's in his car and he's looking at a couple of two or three uh, children that are on bicycles. And when the girl turns her head and she's smiling and talking and you can see her teeth that are brown and all. And then he goes on to see the farmer and the farmer tells him that, um, uh, you know, he says, how many head of cattle did you have? And he said, I had 300, but he says, I only have about half of that now. He's in the movie, he said 190 that he lost. And I've read that he said it, the number was 153. So I'm not sure which number is correct. But in the movie, he says 190. And so what happens is these, um, uh, these little he raised them from when they were born, you know, and he was used to, you know, petting them and, you know, they would rub up against him and stuff like that. And here these cows become more like a mad dog with rabies and they act very strange. They jump up and twitch around in the air. Um, and when they die, you know, he took pictures of them. He took pictures of, of their teeth. He took he even opened some of the cows up and took pictures of the organs and how they had uh, different things on them, you know, tumors and all. And it's, it's really horrific. And uh, what happened was the uh, DuPont plant was uh, just above there and uh, he had sold 66 acres and they made it, the creek that was there was called Dry Run and they put the, uh, du DuPont put their, the waste there and it was leaching and going into the stream where his cattle drank it you know and so anyway they ended up getting a settlement uh but uh eventually uh, earl tenant you know dies uh, too um so it, you know it's there, there is a there is another movie too that you can get it's called the devil we know and it was actually taken earlier and talks more about the um, malformations uh, to women who worked and dealt with P pfoa the foam that they uh, 
had had their arms and hands and stuff in even though they wore gloves they still got it on them and they each had a child that had a facial deformity with only one nostril and one eye lower than the other eye and the one Bucky Bailey had over 42 surgeries trying to correct this he marries, he's very uh, worried that something would happen to his child, but they did have a normal baby. So that that was good. And and you would kind of expect that with, uh, you know, chemical problems that it wasn't a genetic uh, problem. Yeah, but, one of uh, those, one of those, uh, I watched the dark waters and I watched the, 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 other, the other one and, and the devil within us. And there was one of those children with that facial defect, the eye and the nostril facial defect was actually in the dark. He, he had just one brief scene. Yes, in that, that, that was Bucky that Bailey. Waters yes. Mort Water yes. um, movie. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's just, um, you know, I think he had it easier. Bucky Bailey did with his deformities because his father was a minister, well-known by the townspeople, and, you know, um, they all treated him, I think, pretty kindly, whereas a child in some other environment might not be treated as, as nicely. Now, I've also read that, <clears throat> according to the EPA, the number of these chemicals in our water supply is gradually decreasing. Is that true? Uh, well, they've had them stop making the PFOA and, uh, you know, they're looking for replacements, you know, for, and so, you know, um, and also we may not be looking in the right places. I mean, they need to be looking at uh, military bases. They need to be looking at uh, the industrial sites. They need to be looking at the uh, wastewater treatment plants and they need to be looking at the airports, okay? And the airports are gonna get taken care of pretty fast um, in, the, in the PFAS um, roadmap plan. And um, the uh, wastewater treatment plants, I don't think have been addressed well enough at all. Um, and also it can be, uh, the new newer reports are, it is in the bio solids, it's in the sludge. Uh, you know, some uh, places like here in Louisville, they sell it as pellets uh, for fertilizer. But, um, you know, they, they did uh, some testing um, a couple of years ago, probably 2019, um, on uh, for some PFAS and said they had non-detects. But, you know, if they tested the wastewater and you know, was there a rain? Was there, you know, we don't, we don't know all of the parameters in there, but um, maybe it, they need to be testing the sludge. Yeah, so yeah. Tina, tell us what's, what's going on in the airports. Is that in the air? or? What? Oh, the airports are, you know, because of the fires that they have, you know, sometimes planes come in and they have accidents. And so, oh, okay. Yeah. So it comes from the fire, the film fighting form. What, what about the sludge they're selling for fertilizer? I, I think yes, I'm. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I, I'm. I, that's that's exactly what I'm talking oh. about. And I actually had that in a booth in um, uh, uh, in an MSD booth. Um, no, it was a Floyd's Fork booth um, in Gaslight Festival. And uh, they called me right before I was to go there and wanted 
me to show that theirs was better than somebody else's. But I said, no, I'm not a salesperson. I said, you know, I, I'm glad to hand out a brochure or something. But but anyway, yes, uh, you know, we've had some animals die at the zoo and the zoo is the largest purchaser as far as I know. Uh, but I do know that when you have a mixture like that, it's very hard to get a homogeneous mixture to test. And, you know, if you test here or you test there, you know, it can make a difference. And also there's the heavy metals. I don't believe that the heavy metals are being removed. I want to give another uh, shout out for President Biden, who has really taken the rein on uh, the, the many homes that still have lead pipes. And I will say that, you know, lead, there's really no safe level of lead, but uh, it was after the Flint, Michigan uh, problems uh, became so uh, well known that uh, the Louisville Water Company here replaced their main lines that were lead. But then they, um, the people that owned their homes, they were asked to take their lead line out. But some said no, they didn't have the money to do it. But President Biden is putting many bucks forward to have those lead lines paid for removal for free for those people. Uh, Tina, let me give you a heads up. We've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, let me get you to sort of switch horses or change direction a little bit. Uh, it's my understanding from having done some research so I could ask you intelligent questions about this, <laughs> that um, yeah, New York, uh, New Jersey, Vermont, and California, and the US Navy have all done some uh, amount of regulating or banning of these substances. Can you share some of the details of that with us so we have an idea, you know, sort of what they're doing? And, and if you can also, get, how do they get around to it? I mean, I, the Navy's easy. I spent a lot of time in the Navy and they, they just make the rules and people follow them. But in a state like California or New York, you've got to, you got to go through this political process. Uh, yes, it, a lot of it depends on the governor, depends on the um, envir environmental cabinet. Um, and, um, you know, we haven't had the luck here with the um, Energy and Environment Cabinet, the Kentucky Energy and Environment Cabinet. Rebecca Goodman is the cabinet secretary. The commissioner is Tony Hatton. We have dealt directly with him and his legal counsel, Liz Natter. Um, they did not want to promulgate regulations. The state has that authority. The state can do a study and put values out there to be used. And uh, one of the states actually uh, made about six of the PFAS ones that they looked at. And the sum total of all of those, PFOS, PFOA, you know, PFHS, you know, the ones that they had, they could not total more than 20 parts per trillion. The US EPA Lifetime Advisory uh, Health uh, is they began in long ago and said 400 parts per trillion. 
then they changed all of a sudden and said 140 parts per trillion. Then they changed and they said 70 parts per trillion. I don't really know how they came up with those figures, but those figures are going to change. Those figures are, and even the Center for Disease Control said that the 70 parts per trillion was seven to 10 times too high. So they know that that, that, that is not right. And uh, we hope that that'll be changed. But what has happened is you've had a governor like in North Carolina that listened, that was the lightning rod that caused the, the help that they got in North Carolina. I will tell you that his deputy uh, environmental um, quality uh, head was Mike, Michael Reagan. And so Biden was very wise to choose him and he is the exact person to do this. He is actually making trips to go to these places and see people firsthand to let them know help is coming. And so I'm, I'm very proud that our government is acting. And I know it's gonna be a slow process. It's gonna take some years, but it's, it's really important to the health of the public. But- can, um, can, can these regulations be changed without going through the legislature? Yes, that's what, that, well, yes, yes. That's what I'm saying that the state can promulgate it. Now, what we did, okay, was we got a, a bill, uh, House Bill 559 uh, in the Kentucky General Assembly, January, 2021, uh, carried by the sponsor, Representative Nima Kulkarni. We also, and she's a Democrat, and I also had my former um, state representative for many years, uh, Kevin Bratcher, who is a Republican, uh, when I sent information out to several legislators, uh, he came back and he said, this is scary. And I wrote back and I, and I said, yes, it is. And so he immediately made a House resolution. Now, those did not move. We will be back in the General Assembly. I have met with those legislators and with the state of head of the firefighting legislative legislative matters and um, you know it, it was great talking with them because the firefighter at the end he puts his hands out about an inch and a half apart and he says you know we were very narrow focused and we were just looking at the PFOA the foam the aqueous uh, they call it a triple f firefighting foam and uh you know, our, what we were wearing, but uh, he said, now he understood because I said, yes, because uh, what do you do when you take your gear off? Do you wash it here at the station or do you take it home? And he says, we wash it here. I said, well, it goes into the sewer. It's in our water, you know? And so I said, when you go home, I said, you're drinking the water. It has PFAS in it. You're, you're, uh, you have your carpet, you know, with the PFAS in it, your kids are drinking this, you know, and so he said, now we were very narrow focused, but he had a much broader uh, idea of how broad this problem is. And so the, the most direct route is the ingestion and of drinking water. We, you know, the public usually drinks about eight glasses of water a day. And uh, also, you know, you're, you're taking a shower or bath or whatever, which you can absorb, you know, water through your skin, although that's not the, the most uh, readily pathway to get it, to get 
PFAS in your body. What about bottled water? Is it in bottled water? Uh, yes, uh, some uh, are regulated and it cannot be over a certain parts per trillion. Um, they do have their water bottle association of which some companies belong to it, but every bottle usually has a phone number or, or website information where you can reach them. And yes, the consumers have the right to call and ask, are you testing for PFAS? Do you know if it's in well water that, uh, you know, we get uh, Mountain Valley water? And, yeah, it, I mean, you know. Cans and, and, use, and I, I did that way back when, just that was before the Louisville Water Company started using the activated charcoal filters. So it, it, yeah. and I've never even thought about it. I, I'm assuming that that water is cleaner than the stuff that comes out of the tap. Uh, they, they really, I think, pretty much rec recommend that anybody in Jefferson County be on uh, piped in water because uh, you, you never know, um, you know, what, what your neighbor has dumped on the ground or, uh, you know, the oil dripping, <laughs> yeah. or the antifreeze and, you know, those kinds of things. And people don't stop to think that that water perks down through the ground and, uh, yes, it can, can get into well water. Okay, we're we're getting down to the last three minutes. So okay, just one as a, question. You can, no, you what, can about the, what about the filters that, that we people put on there? Uh, yes. uh, they can check with water companies uh, to see about getting a filter. But the bottom line is we shouldn't have to do that because, I mean, we can't afford uh, to um, have enough water for showers and baths and brushing our teeth and everything else and, and you know, water for the kitchen and uh, washing your dishes and everything. So it, it's really, you know, the citizens should not have to do that. It should be, the onus should be on the water companies to provide the cleanest water possible. Well, and I agree, they didn't create the problem, but the problem's there and it needs to be solved. And uh, they, they say they don't have any regulations. They don't have any law that tells them that they have to remove it. And so they won't act until they're forced to do it. And, uh, you know, yes, they could act, uh, you know, if they were directed to act and the public can direct them to act. I'm trying to remember when the, the activated charcoal got in the water system. There was a friend of mine, I used to play squash with him who was involved in that <clears throat> that was probably back in the as a, back in the 90s or that might even been in the late 80s and um and so that that was uh, uh, an important advance uh, mark how are we doing here we're at the end there mike okay uh, <laughs> tina thank you very much we you were you were a great guest and you you also you scared the you know what out of all of us and i hope the same thing is applied to the people who are listening well we can we can do better you know there, there will be brighter days <laughs> but but you know until we know what the problem is uh, we can't work to solve it so people need to know and they could be part of the solution well yeah, th tina, th thank you again yeah mark tina thanks so much for your decades of work on multiple fronts uh the issue kind of hits home uh at in my what i call my house uh my gal beth she lived in parkersburg uh the second um, third grade uh her 
she's from West Virginia. Uh-huh. And uh, just want to remind our listeners that for more information, they can go to kyhealthcare.org, kyhealthcare.org. And uh, on, on the website and on our Facebook page, you can learn more about how uh, Wall Street and private equity firms are moving to take over the Medicare program. So as Tina said, the first thing we have to do is educate ourselves. You can go to the uh, website for Kentuckians for single-payer healthcare, learn how, um, how Wall Street is taking away our Medicare for their profits, and what are some of the things that you can do. Also, uh, thankfully, the tornadoes didn't hit any of the slurry ponds or any of these uh, chemical waste uh, storage facilities. It's not to say that they'll miss it again in the future. Um, they, and and the, with, the, with the tornadoes that came through here, we're usually, uh, I'm usually pitching to make a donation to the station, but folks can donate blood. And if they've got a few extra bucks in their pocket to donate to uh, our neighbors out in Western Kentucky. So uh, the tornado just barely missed a trans, uh, gas transmission lines in Taylor County. If it had hit them, there would have been one heck of an explosion. You would have heard it here in Louisville. Okay, guys, uh, have a good holiday. Thank All you right. very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.